This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Bill Mayer, campus minister and basketball coach for the Thomas More Prep Marion Monarchs, talks about respect for a father's wisdom. One body, God's Why don't teenagers seek the wisdom of their grandparents? One body, What's the best way to get your point across to teens? One body, Well, let's find out. Bill is being interviewed by Divine Mercy Radio's on-air host, George Toman. Today, live in studio, we have Bill Mayer and his talk, Respecting for a Father's Wisdom. Bill is the campus minister at Thomas More Prep Junior Senior High School, as well as the head basketball coach for the Monarchs. In addition, Bill, along with his wife Mandy, are the directors of religious education at St. Nicholas Amira Parish. Bill is the father of Thomas, Andrew, and Emma. Bill, Coach, good to have you on. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh, you bet. Have a good topic here today, and let's go ahead and get going. Is it fair to say that the young people today do not see any wisdom in the generations that have come before them? Yeah, when, when this topic came out, this was one of the things I, I thought was good for us to talk about a little bit is, is uh, I think that, uh, you know, if you look around on social media and you interact with our, our young people right now, uh, you see that there is a, a real sell of don't listen to anything that came before you. Yes. And I think very first thing you can say to most of these guys, you can say Boomer or Karen, and they'll immediately put a smile on their face and understand what those uh, represent. And that's that those guys don't have any wisdom for us. And, and uh, um, so I think that there's some there's a lot of concerns that are growing for me working with young people if we quit listening to the generation before us. And, and for myself, um, which is why it was fun to listen to you guys talk about the Baltimore Catechism, I think the church in its beauty passes so much wisdom down to us. The early church fathers that, uh, you know, still to this day, you know, we read often and, and give us insight and wisdom. Uh, it, it's a really scary situation if we can create a generation that won't look to anybody for, for wisdom. You know, I, I teach church history, and church history oftentimes has a lot of reoccurring heresies that come up because we forgot that we fought the heresy and taught truth, and then all of a sudden it sneaks its way back in. And, and if you're pretty familiar with those things, you recognize some modern-day themes, and you go, hey, wait a second, we've, we've already talked about that heresy a long time ago, um, and you're very easily able to take care of that. But if you have no history, and, and like you said, there's positive, there's negative, it's like family history, uh, but... If you use it properly, all of it can help you live a better life. How do you see Satan playing a role in this? So again, we just talked about, for the listening audience, young people today maybe not seeing wisdom from generations past. So how do you see Satan playing a role here? Well, I think I think one of the first things we got to look at, and since we were talking about sacraments, I think we can start there. One of the things is we see God giving us mentors in our life. And so you look at baptism and you've got godparents as well as your parents who their role is to mentor you and, and lead you in the faith and to bring you up in the faith. Um, you go to confirmation and you have a sponsor whose role is to pray for you, answer your questions, but then also mentor you as you, as you join the church and, and go up in your faith. And you look at marriage and, and we're supposed to learn from our parents and our grandparents and, and other couples around us. And then really you as a married couple help each other to grow spiritually. Um, and so there's that mentorship aspect. And so when you look at the church uh, and in a hierarchy, obviously, if you would look at how the church is structured, you would see mentorships very important. Uh, on the flip side, you know, there's an equal hierarchy of the choirs of angels and, and evil. And, uh, and their mission would be not to have us look for mentors or not to be involved. And so I think that Satan knows that uh, 
it's a bad thing if kids sit around and talk to their grandparents. Um, and oftentimes the kids that are the most dynamic and most knowledgeable in my classes are the ones whose grandparents have conversations wow. with them. Wow. And there's so much wisdom that can be uh, brought down from that. Uh, Satan is scared if, if we're talking to those people. I think that, you know, obviously Satan brings his pride in and says, well, I don't need anybody. And then I have this conversation all the time with young people. The world tries to tell them, be isolated. You don't need other people, uh, which is why I love coaching basketball because, you know, basketball, I tell guys, it can be the ugliest game in the history of man if it's <laughs> one person playing one-on-one and nine guys standing by or when guys play together, it can be the most beautiful, beautiful thing out there. And, and so, you know, I think that uh, Satan in his pride says, I need nobody. You know, we're trying to build communities at uh, – TMP and I get pushback from kids like, I already got my friends. I already know who I want to be with. I already, I don't need these people. But in all reality, when you look around in the world, those who are successful are the ones who have great networks and, and have connected up with people. And, uh, and I think it's Satan's pride coming in there saying, hey, you know what? And I think the last thing on that with Satan's deal is, is you know, he's the great divider. Anytime he gets an opportunity to divide people, that's what he's going to do. And, and so I think that you see him out there like, let's get these generations divided. Let's have them fighting each other, the young people versus the old people. And there's animosity between both groups. These young guys know nothing. These older people know nothing. And Satan, I think, sits in the middle and just smiles. Yeah. And I think part of that is he, again, there's a fear element for him because, you know, we talk a lot about the most powerful force, you know, in the world as a family, a connected family. It's it's incredibly strong. And I think same way if a parish is connected, working together, there's no fighting. They're going out to evangelize. They, they're taking care of each other. That's a, a scary thing for him. I think a, a school that is connected and I think a diocese that is connected. And so he is afraid of people actually living out our call to, to be connected to other people because of what that creates. Um, and I think we have to be very vigilant in any organization, even like you said, connected between Nebraska and Kansas. Um, we need to be very conscious of, of keeping him from dividing those things, which are great. Absolutely. So, Coach, do you think that this is any different than teens in previous generations? I, I, don't, I don't know. I think if you look relatively in, in throughout history, I think – your livelihood was so connected to being with someone that could provide that, like whether it was your dad had the farm or something. I think there must have been a little bit more. But I think when we get to the 60s and the 70s, you see a real swing in we're smarter than those who came before us and we're going to recreate this in a way that they didn't and it's going to be better. Um, And I definitely think today our our young people uh, think they're – the previous generations are out of touch. They don't know technology. They don't understand the way the world is. They're stuck in this old mindset. Uh, So I I, I do believe – I'd have to ask someone a lot older than me if it was worse, but uh, I do believe that we're worse at asking those around us to help us and, and to teach us things. Sure. Or what do you think the culture fears about young people learning from the generations who came before them? This is an interesting question, yeah, looking at the culture perspective. I, I think one of the things is, and, and this is probably going to get a little controversial, so... Uh, get ready, folks. Here there we go. We go. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I think this culture today wants to build something different than what was built on the past. It has an entirely different idea of the human person, has an entirely different idea of why we're created, and it knows that if we take information from the past generations, we will blow through those things and we will be okay. And so I think there's a real cutoff, like you're almost afraid, don't look back there because of what you will see and what you'll find. And so I think there's a purposeful message to our, our young people of, you know, just like Wizard of Oz, and no, oh, don't look behind the curtain, there's nothing there, You nothing valuable for you to see. Um, so I, I think that in order for them to create what they want, they cannot have kids reading books from the past. They can't have them talking to people from the past. They can't have them learning history. Um, and I think that the 
great fear for them is if they do those things, they'll see through some of what culture is trying to create for the kids. And part of it is it's not good for them anyway. I mean, you're looking at suicide rate is, is on the uh, huge climb, yep. depression, yep. Um, people who don't feel like they're valuable, they're not connected to people. And I'm, I'm, my fear is we're seeing the very, very beginning of that, and we don't even have the right data yet to see how serious of a problem that is when we start looking at that. What role does social media play and the shaping of the attitudes and beliefs of the younger generation. I, I definitely think uh, social media plays in that. Uh, but before that, I, you know, even if you look at the television shows today, if you go back a number of years, there was always a wise father, a loving and kind mother that had wisdom as well, and kids who learned in those those uh, sort of shows. And now, if you watch, if you want to look at the blatant attack, the dad is a buffoon. The mom, you know, has all sorts of weird whatevers and, and don't pay attention. And the wise one that everybody's supposed to learn from is the kid. And again, so just, you know, things that I sit there and I, I look at and pay attention to a little bit. And I think that wraps directly into social media because now we've got and, and this thing is, is so scary. It's mind blowing, honestly, with our young people. You know, I've understood that the business model of social media is they want people addicted to it constantly. They want you outraged and they want you polarized. And if they can create a society that connects all those dots, one, they don't care if you're left, right, top, bottom. They just want you connected because you're making money um, and yeah. polarized keeps you connected. Uh, and, and for the good of our society, the good of our kids, for the good of their families, it's not a good thing. And, and right now, you know, Satan has a, a a box directly to the kids to connect to at any time that he wants to. And so I certainly think you see a lot of that uh, being a, a role that is, is really, you know, part of it, you know, I deal a lot with kids that have just, you know, shattered self-esteem. They, they stand up, even basketball players, they act like they're uh, got a good self-value in there, whatever, but underneath it's just shatterable. Um, and, and I think that comes to social media because, you know, one unlike on their social media out of, a hundred and it's like, oh my gosh, someone out there. And, and it's just, you know, it's a, it's a really scary world for me on, on what that's doing to our young people. Yeah. Yeah. No. And we know, for, we know from the research, just the impact of the social media, similar bill to what you said earlier, the, the data, we're still collecting the data in ways that we, that we need to be able to, to see it. And, and I think in due time, we're going to start seeing some more trends that are absolutely more frightening. The thing is, folks, you know, and again, I'm going to put my psychological hat here to complement what Bill's saying. The one very negative or impactful social media post could very well ruin a kid's day, a week, or a month. And I'll give an example. I had a case where a, a student got basically bullied pretty viciously over 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 Snapchat, and the kid was was straight A's and literally for the week went down to like fa you know failing grades literally within a week we didn't figure we couldn't figure out what it was until we were able to get dig down to this is what happened to me and the, and and we were able to get that figured out and, and, and all of that in terms of of, of the, the proper discipline for those who did bully um, bully the student well and, and you don't want to look at like even our high school basketball guys you know if, if we had a bad night you know, maybe the paper had a little line of something, you know, like, ah, oh, this were the only points or something. As soon as our games are done, our stats are out, everybody in the state of Kansas, everybody in the world knows. Uh, and then anybody can comment on that stuff. And so, yeah. you know, our, our kids are, cog you know, always aware that everybody in our league, everybody that doesn't like whatever is always able to take shots. And, and you know, you look at like big time coaches and you look at the comments that are made there, you know, and, and even the kid from Ohio State this year has a great game, misses a couple free throws that are big down the stretch and he gets death threats. Yep. You know, how are how are kids 
supposed to mentally hand, handle that kind of stuff. And, and you can say he's a college kid. He's, he's 19, 19 years old. Yeah, he's a kid. He's 19 he's a kid. years he's old. He's still a kid. Yeah. You know, but, but it really doesn't just stay there. It trickles down into the high school, the junior high. And, and uh, you know, we, we have no idea how much of that goes on. Um, so we're, we're putting a bunch of kids out there with really, really fragile self-esteems due to uh, social media. And, and you know, I, it just concerns me as we move forward what that's going to do. Yeah, no, no, agreed very much. So, and again, parents always remember, you do have you do have control over over how social media can be can be used in the family and how to teach that and everything. Yeah, that's a real thing that we got to combat these days. Well, and and we aren't made to know what everybody thinks all the time. Oh, you know, we we can't function through all You're that information. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 so when we get insights to what everybody in the room thinks about what we're saying or what everybody thinks of us, you know, that is you know, a harsh thing for us to deal with. And it's actually a blessing that we don't know what everybody thinks. Um, but unfortunately, social media has given an avenue for us to know what everybody thinks. And, and the reality is, you know, that's, that's, tough. that's tough for us. That's right. And worse, I'll add to that, there's also now an entitlement feel that I need to know everything, right? And so yeah. we'll, we'll, oh, you post that on social media, I need to know more about it. No, you don't. No, you don't. Yeah. No, you don't. So, uh, Coach, what is the role of a mentor in previous generations, and why should our young people look for one these days? I, I think, you know, I, I'm going to go coaching here for a second. Um, I, I would say thanks be to God that uh, uh, when I started coaching, I wasn't given a head coaching job right out of the, the gate. And I've seen people go out there and do that, and, and more times than not, it doesn't work out real well because there's just a lot of things that you can't learn on your own or the, the lesson of hard knocks is so brutal, it, it's going to defeat you before you get there. Um, and so I was very fortunate to coach under uh, a bunch of guys with a whole lot of wins and a lot of experience um, who helped me to understand what it takes. Um, and, and there's a reason why when you look in, in – the whatever NFL or you know NCAA, the guys who get jobs are guys who come from coaching trees. It's because you accelerate your learning so much by having a good mentor or someone that you work under. Um, and and so for us, we should take that model and say, hey, that works really well in the business world. Works really well in the athletic world. How can that work in our Catholic world? How can that work in in our students' world? And we can understand that the acceleration of learning can be that much um, um, higher. So for me. Locking in with some mentors can really accelerate your learning uh, of a subject. And, and, you know, I'm always trying to sell advantage for our basketball players to help them along that way and our students and, and uh, in our faith. You know, I, I wish I was further along spiritually than I am now. And I could have accelerated that with with mentors in previous time. And, and so I want people to not take 20 years to learn what I've learned now. I want them to learn that by the time they're 20 so that they have a better you know situation. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of that, Coach, what attributes should a young per- person look for in a mentor? Because I know for me, like, so going back to that business example, there's some mistakes in some in the business world that, oh, I'll just assign an older person to be a mentor to a younger one and everything will be fine. That's not how mentorship works in its proper form. So what are some of those attributes that, that if a young person is curious to look for a mentor, what would they look for? You know, I, I would look for someone, one, who wants to mentor because uh, that there's a relationship there where someone wants to pass information on to a younger uh, generation and, and that person wants to receive that information. So there has to be a, a give and a take on both sides. I always look for people who seem to have it 
put together family life. If you're taking care of your family, then then you've got the right philosophies and the right understandings for me. I, I think you can learn things from people who don't necessarily have everything put together as well. I think we can learn lessons from negative stuff as well as positive stuff. Um, but but the person has to be someone that you can connect up with, ask questions, will give you answers, wants to take that time. And I think you know it's not all the young people's fault on the mentoring. I also see a lot of people who aren't interested in mentoring people, and and I know it takes time, but um, you know ultimately when we get kind of older, we want to pass that information on, and and so uh, but that, that's what I would look for. Uh, so people in my life, you know, I'm looking for good husbands, I'm looking for good fathers because I'm trying to improve in both of those areas. I'm looking for people who work well with kids that can be build teams um, that can help kids move from one place to the other. I'm looking for the saints. Um, and, and I think we forget about them as being some of the greatest mentors ever, uh, as well as role models. And there's plenty of information out there that they can even, uh, even though they have gone on and are you know spending eternity with God right now, there's plenty of mentorship that we can get from them. But that's that's what I'm looking for in a mentor, and that's what I want our young people to look for. Oh, absolutely. And you, and you can't be afraid to ask questions. I, I think that's part of it, too, is, is you know, that old thing where the dad won't pull over and, and ask directions on where he's going, you know. Uh, there, there's I've never asked a question of somebody and even called them up and they didn't know who I was, but I knew they knew something that I wanted to know, and I asked them a question, and I've never been turned down on, on that situation. And so um, I think you've got to be willing to ask those questions and go seek those people. You know, for our young people, make a connection with your parish priest. Uh, yes. Build a relationship with him. Um, that That's a very uh, awesome opportunity uh, for you to, to learn from someone. And, and you're in his flock. He very much cares about your growth as a spiritual person. Again, your coaches and your teachers would be people. And again, sometimes they, they don't want that relationship with their teacher. Oh, this teacher's just for the... No, no, no. That, that relationship can last long past yeah. school. And, and so I think go build those and, and see which ones actually help you to do things in the future. But, you know, go seek as many as you can. You bet. I like talking about this one. <laughs> Humility. Uh, I, I think the very first step is to go out there and just recognize we don't know it all, and we never will, and that's okay. You know, Satan's great sin is is pride, and uh, there's so much pride that goes out there and so much that, that uh, you know, we don't want to ask the question to show people that we don't know because of our pride. And the smartest people I know are the guys who just ask questions because they don't know. And they get a chance to learn. And so it takes a lot of humility to go to somebody and say, I am not at a place where I want to be yet. I recognize that you have some things that I can learn from. Could you help me to get there? And there's the fear of rejection is probably part of that a little bit. But I don't know that humble people are are too afraid of being rejected. But I think humility is the key for us. Uh, Even going to the wisdom of the fathers, uh, reading the church's teachings. Maybe I don't know it all. Maybe I may think this teaching is wrong, but I'm going to give a chance to see what the teachings are actually and see if there's a chance that I made a mistake. Uh, So I think humility is a big point. In the in the church, we have something called the litany of humility. And folks, if you ever if you ever need a, a a prayer to help you with humility, just start just pray that one. Pray it at night, and I promise you, you'll you'll start feeling it really quick. There's a line that I love in there, and that is that others may be more holier than I, provided that I be as holy as I should. And that line, in and of itself, you know, sticks sticks at the heart. But it goes down to that that loneliness, similar to our Blessed Lady. That, that she did, her, the loneliness of the handmaid to humbly accept the Lord's call. And what happens? She gets a crown. She gets queen. queen yeah. She gets made queen of heaven and earth. Humility is the path to greatest. And that's why Satan can never get there, because he's prideful, and that's how he gets to the lowliest of the low, because he's prideful. The humility is what gets us. And I think we see that all 
all over. So no, that, that litany of humility, and I, I actually pray it twice a day. My, my pastor, uh, <laughs> Father Jarrett Conrad, he gave that to me and told oh, me Father in confession. Yeah, yep. Told me in confession I need to pray that. Uh, it, the words sometimes are really hard to get out, too, because it's so contrary to what the world says. Let those have this, you know, the place yes. before me. And, and like you said, it took me a little while to figure out the let others be holier than I. And it's like, well, why would I want someone? You know, it just takes a little bit. It's, it works on your soul. It's a really good prayer. It is. It is. We need to take a short break right now, but don't change that dial. We'll be right back with more from Coach Bill Mayer with Respect for a Father's Wisdom. We're back on One Body Stewarding God's Creation. One body. Respect for a Father's Wisdom. One body. Stewarding God's Creation. With Coach Bill Mayer. One body. One body. George Toman conducts the interview. One body. Stewarding God's Creation. Coach, can you give us an example? of how a mentor system was practiced in the Bible. Well, I think uh, there's, there's a lot of different situations where uh, people learn from other people. Um, one of the best ones right now that you can look at, and I'm taking our juniors through it a little bit, is that the series, uh, The Chosen. And so you get Beautiful. a chance to Wonder. watch Jesus. And from a coaching standpoint, I, I recognize him as a coach in there. He's got this rebellious <laughs> group that has all sorts of different attitudes and, and philosophies and things. And you watch him shape them into what will be the beginning of our church and establish something that is still here today. Um, so I think that when you look at how Jesus in his three years of ministry taught his you know disciples, then apostles, um, how to lead and go, you see that certainly if you read in, in a lot of the letters uh, in the New Testament, you see letters to other people mentoring them as they're building their church. And so I think you can definitely see in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, you see a lot of fathers working with their sons, and that continues on. You see the prophets uh, mentoring entire groups of people saying, this is what we need to do. Um, you see Moses taking the group again out into the wilderness and taking that rebellious group and forming them into uh, a nation. Um, I think you see a lot of those mentor opportunities in the Old Testament too. And since we got St. Joseph sitting here, the humbleness of learning from his father, learning from his mother and taking those lessons, uh, you know, you see that as well. And, and uh, um, so I think you, you, he's a great model right there. Absolutely. Do you have any practical advice, Coach, on, on those in a position to be a mentor? Um, I think one is, is continue... You know, maybe they're not knocking on your door, but continue to reach out to young people. You know, I think that's one of the things, too, is is if the younger generation is not coming to you necessarily like in the past uh, to continue to say, hey, if you need something, hey, if in this situation, maybe there's a way I can help you. Um, I, I think that's part of it. I think one of the big things, too, is is pray for people in your lives that uh, are, are particularly if you're mentoring them a little bit, but, but uh, you know, we, we don't pray enough for young people. We used to be covered by our grandparents' prayers all day long, you know, and she, you know, there's, there's a story, she's praying a rosary for us, or she's, you know, still my grandmother today, she's, she's 90 something and still every single day will pray for all of us. Well, that's, that's really important for me to go through a day to know that I'm already covered with prayers. And, and so I think as parents, 
which is a natural mentor relationship, uh, there's going to be times there's frustration and things. And sometimes you got to just say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to get through to them today, but the Holy Spirit can. I'm going to take that energy and I'm going to put that into prayer for them um, and, and offer that up and let let God take care of those things. But I think uh, that's part of it. You said listen, which is a big part. We, we so quickly as teachers want to just ignore their stuff and just impart knowledge upon them. But you can't actually teach anybody until you've listened to them. And so you've got to sit down and be willing to hear what they say, even if it's painful and wrong at times. Um, and, and, you know, basketball is a good example of like when I'll ask a question like, what do you think is going on here? And they'll be totally on the wrong side of something. But you got to listen all the way through and understand it from their viewpoint before you can possibly. Because if you cut them off halfway through and you say, no, you're wrong, this is what it is, that there's no education that's going to happen there. All you're doing is building a wall. And so I think that's that's some of my advice would be you got to listen pray for those people, be available, and continue to be persistent in your availability and, and offer those things. You bet. I, we, we're we're going to meet uh, with a group of kids today. we got a retreat, and we're going to talk the community system, which we're putting into um, our group, which is essentially trying to build relationships among peers. And, and you've seen the research data. Um, you know, our school is no different than any other school where it comes back that there are at least 10 kids, but, but probably more of that that do not feel like they have a good social connection, and they do not feel like they have an adult that they can go to to talk to if they're in trouble. And, and for me, those are just you know red alarms yes. uh, out there. And so... You know, we put the community system in, but it's it's harder than you think it is to sell it to the kids. And so, you know, that's my job here at nine o'clock this morning. So pray for me. Absolutely. Is, is selling to pray for you. Yes. Selling to kids why it is important to build relationships because they'll fire right back. I already got the friends I want. I'm not interested in anybody else. And even, you know, we've, we've built a teacher that is going to be their teacher for four years as their house teacher. And then the goal is the reason it's a house is that's my kid so that they have that relationship. Um that doesn't come natural to us, and it's really hard. Kids really honestly believe today that they don't need anybody else mm-hmm. and that they can go do it all by themselves. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, that, that's just a really tough message for people to, to yeah. Uh, understand. Yeah, it's very countercultural, you know, because that's what the world's telling them. You can do everything by yourself. You don't, you know, all you need, all you need is your smartphone, your TikTok. And, and, and part of it, too, is them understanding that teachers get into the business not because they love math or they love science, which they love that as well. There's a lot of different ways to express that. They get into it because they care about kids. They want to yep. build relationships. Coaches are the same way. They, they're not in there for wins and losses or that kind of stuff, or they aren't going to hang very long. But they're in there to build relationships, and they care about kids. And if we can help our young people to see our teachers that way, it can help benefit a, a, a lot. Um, I, I just don't think our kids see our teachers as those sort of uh mentors for them sure sure no i'm very glad that you're you're getting that going because that's that's huge so can you tell us how catholic radio can help teenagers absolutely first of all uh I want them to tune into it. And, and this is such a blessing to our communities um, in, in Western Kansas. And it's so incredible. I hear from people all over the place um, who have tuned in and it just changes their uh, they become evangelized through the things they listen to. And our young people are no different. Um, if they would tune in, they would obviously grow and learn. Having it in our community, though, like you said, we're all connected. So, you know, one of the things I'm actually a, a really positive guy right now. Um, the Bible app, which is going on right now, has millions of people every day tuning in and listening to that. And I think there's going to be millions of people who have not read through the entire Bible that are going to do that in a year. And that's going to affect all of us. It's awesome. Um, the Chosen series. I think there's a ton of people watching that stuff. Um, I think that there are a lot of people listening to Catholic 
Catholic Radio, um, and I think that uh, that is growing our community. And in just the time that it's been here from then until now, I can feel a change in our community. Um, and that is certainly going to impact our teenagers. And, and maybe it's a, not a direct yet. Maybe it's their parents that are listening to it, and they're bringing that wisdom down to their children. Um, and they will get that, you know, it's an indirect uh, message for them. Um, but I also think if, if we were honest, there's more kids tuning in than, than we think there are. And sure. I think it's very easy to say, oh, no t- teenage kids. No, no. I think there are. And so I, I love that this in our community. I love that uh, uh, all these people have access to all this information, and it is such an incredible blessing. And, and everybody here at the radio station does such a great job uh, of bringing that to us. And, and through a lot of sacrifice from a lot of people, um, we're blessed to have that. No, no, no. Thank you, thank you, there, Coach. And again, folks, again, Coach, we're at the end of our of our interview together. We got to get it. We got to get a basketball question in here. <laughs> so uh, uh, you had a pretty good year. Had a pretty good year. So, and again, I'm from Nebraska, so I don't, I don't, I don't. I unfortunately, I don't, I don't follow TMP sports. You know, I really, and you know, like I do others. But just get, for listening audience, just give a review how the season went, and then sure. uh, tell us, tell us kind of your 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 expectations. What's going to be coming next year? And and yeah. Okay. Uh, first though, before we get there, sorry, I, mm-hmm. I got to do this. I. I would plead with our listeners out there, if you're listening, to please support the radio station. Um, from a standpoint of, you know, I, I see a lot of good-hearted people out there trying to find where to put dollars to invest that's going to do the most good. Um, and I certainly think that if you want to promote the faith and to help people stay in the faith and to help people join the faith, I don't think there's a better place for you to put your dollars than this radio station. And so um, that would be my plea is that, uh, you know, you're looking for good to do with that money. This is a great place for that. So that's, that's my plea on that. You got it. Uh, coach. On the season now, yeah. this is a little bit different on my hat, so yeah. so I, I got I got to flip a little bit. You got to tell me how much time I got left. No, no, you got you got about oh about ten minutes left. Okay, here, so, so it, it was a great year. Uh, you know, we came off a, a good year last year and, and had a great group of guys back. And and uh, you know, first of all, super kids, and and you love coaching a, a group like this. And and from day one, you know, we we put them through a lot. We do a boot camp um, that is is similar to like Coach Self's boot camp, and so you know, we get them up early. Um, and we knew we had something special because the attitudes that were already there. Um, but I, I, you know, we we had a great regular season. Um, you know, took second in the league. We had a, a good school hoxie um, that uh, you know ended up beating us for the league championship. But uh, they had a, a special individual that plays up there as well. And uh, and so just really proud of how we uh, finished up the season. We end up getting to the final four. They don't play out because of COVID. And, and don't even get me started on the fun that COVID was this year. Um, <laughs> but they do not play out the third and fourth place game. So we got knocked out in the semis at state. But, uh, you know, just a really special uh, group of young men. And, uh, and, and they had to overcome so much adversity yes, yes. due to the COVID situation and, and some scheduling things. Um, we ended up playing five back-to-back games, which is really, really hard ooh, on young people ooh, yeah um and and i kept whispering in their ear it's okay let's let's enjoy this because if you want to get down to the state tournament uh oftentimes that's a back-to-back game to get a win so you, you get used to it so i think it helped us um first round of state which is normally played at, at hutch was on the road at hugaton which is like three and a half hours away so that was uh special and those guys went down there and, and took care of business there uh, and so just really proud, wins and losses-wise, but more proud of just what the young men did, came together, cared about each other, created a team that was very strong, um, and continued to compete all the way to the end. Wonderful, wonderful coach. 
I can I can sense the, the how proud you are of what what the, what they've done and where they're going to go. So. Yeah, and and you know the word we used was resilience, and and there were a lot of times that myself and our, our assistant coaches sat back and we just watched them kind of in awe with the fact that you know there's so many reasons that the young people on any team anywhere could have just laid down, made excuses, didn't want to do it, all sorts of different adversity you were going to face, the mask thing, the the adversity of schedules getting changed at a last-minute notice. And what I saw was a group of men fight through all of that adversity to get to where they wanted to get to and build what they wanted to build. I, I agree with you. I think in their life, when we talk about expeding, you know, creating quicker learning opportunities, this season for them uh, is going to help them for a long time in the future. Um, and, and I thought that uh, there are a lot of people out there that went through that and built uh, a lot of great future things. I also think it gave them an opportunity to look around and to poke a little bit into the culture and see if it's real or not, uh, which I think anytime you're willing to ask questions, I think people are going to grow. And so um, I would definitely say that uh, our kids were more ready to go out into the real world and have an impact at the end of the season than when it started. And if it had been up to me, I'd have said, I don't want them to have those learning opportunities because that's adversity. <laughs> but that's why God is in charge and I am not. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's, again, another amazing thing, how God can take something that is bad and turn it into something good. And I'm with you, too. I, I think it's going to be awesome to watch these young people learn those lessons, grow and go out there and, and change the world. Real quick, Coach, since I have you on, last thing here, let you get a shout-out for, for TMP and Catholic schools. So if anyone's listening and curious about why they should let, have their kid attend a Catholic education, what would you tell them? I would say, one, um, if, if you know we want to partner with the parents. The parents are the primary educators in the faith, and we want to partner with those parents. We think that uh, by, by sending your kids to the school, obviously they're going to be surrounded by prayers every day in classes. They're going to be surrounded by opportunities for the sacraments, whether it's confession or obviously the Eucharist in Mass. Um, they're going to be around a, a bunch of people that have a like-minded uh, idea of what how they want to raise young people. I think that uh, the coolness for me as a coach of being able to uh, pray before every practice, pray at the end of practice, and oftentimes we offer our practice up for something um, that uh, you know a community member or someone in need, and just that opportunity to teach those things through those um, is amazing how you don't uh, have to put your faith down at the door, go into school, pick it back up when you leave and go. I think it's a, again, we talked about parishes and when you see a, a group of people all coming together, TMP is so amazing because of the community support that creates that opportunity for young people. And by creating that, you make an incredibly strong opportunity. The other thing too, is your kids are going to be prayed for constantly, you know, whether it's myself or Father Ryan or their teachers um, or all the supporters out there that, that pray for TMP every single day. Um, having your kids was surrounded by those prayers uh, for me is, is huge. There was a number, you know, there's a lot of reasons to convince people to go to Catholic education. Um, one of the best numbers that was ever given to me was was uh, a dad counted up how many times you would go to mass, how many hours you'd spend in adoration, how many times you could go to confession. And, and when we talked about, it's kind of funny how this goes full circle, when we talk about sacraments, all that grace that is available in those 11, 12, 13 years of, of school will have an amazing impact on your young person. Yes, very much so. Coach, it was our pleasure to have you on the air, and thank you for taking some time. We'll be definitely be sure to say a prayer or two for you in a little bit here at yep, 9. 9 o'clock. Yeah, 9 o'clock. But again, God bless you, and, and thanks so much for coming in again. Thank you. All right, bet. We hope you enjoyed this One Body Stewarding God's Creation show. If you would like to evangelize and 
aren't quite sure how to do it, please consider donating to Divine Mercy Radio as only the Holy Spirit knows how many souls are turning toward Jesus through these airwaves. This station is 100% listener supported, so any amount you can give will be greatly appreciated. You're listening to Divine Mercy Radio 105.7 KMDG Hayes, 101.7 KJDM Lindsborg Salina, 88.1 KRTT Grand band and 88.1 kvdm hayes if today you hear his voice harden not your hearts <laughs> 